Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. There is a theme in these songs. Who you say I am, it does matter who God says that we are. It doesn't matter what the world says. So the message today I've entitled On Beyond Zebra. If the title sounds familiar to you, I used that title maybe three, four years ago in a message in our former Upper Deerfield campus talking about the crucifixion and the resurrection. But Dr. Seuss fascinates me. I call him my favorite theologist because he truly understands what this journey in life is all about because sometimes I stop short at the promises of God. I don't always understand what God has in mind because I'm so much led by my feelings, what other people say about me. This morning, I want to talk to you as a cultural missionary because there's a shift going on in our society today. The battle lines have been drawn, and I think it's very important in the day and time in which you and I find ourselves today. It doesn't matter what the politicians say. It doesn't matter what the neighbor says. It does matter what does God say about us. And I do believe that, that, that God has established us. He's created us for a reason, for a purpose, and that purpose by his grace will be carried out in our lifetime. The struggle today exists between what I call cultural theology, which means what the world says God is or God does, and biblical theology. What does the Bible say that God is going to do, and what is he all about? This morning, I have no props. There's one sermon I preached here. I had a big ladder up here, and the title simply was, What Drives a Man Up a Tree and What Brings Him Down? And that ladder was quite shaky. Maybe not to you, but it was to me. Those rungs were kind of wavy. and But today I, I, I only have a plea, and my message simply is this, this plea. With your indulgence, I would like to read a few lines from this wonderful book, theology book by Dr. Seuss, On Beyond Zebra. But it's, listen to the words. Because there's more to God than where we stop. Matter of fact, where you and I stop thinking about God, he begins. So think about your need. Think about what is going on in your life. You're in this house, but this is not a regular house. This is his house. And in his house, he is in charge. And in your life, he is in charge. And you might be going through things, but please understand, he is with you in this journey, in this struggle. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He is with you. We live in this world. We are not of the world. We are affected by the world. But all my friends were impacted, underline impacted by God and what he says in his word about us. And that's the important part. But now to Dr. Seuss. Said Conrad Cornelius O'Donnell Dedell, my very young friend who was learning to spell. A is for ape and B is for bear and C is for camel, camel and H is for hare. M is for mouse and R is for rat. I, all, I know all the letters like that through to Z for zebra. I know them all well, said Conrad, Cornelius, O'Donnell, Odell. And now I know everything everyone knows from beginning to end, from start to the close, because Z is as far as the alphabet goes. See, where do you stop with God? Is he truly the one who can do the impossible? 
Then he almost fell flat on his face on the floor as I picked up the chalk and I drew one letter more. A letter he had never dreamt of before. And I said, you can stop if you want with the letter Z. And most people do and stop with Z, but not me. In the places I go, there are things that I see that I never could spill if I stop with a Z. I'm telling you this because you are my friend. My alphabet starts where your alphabet ends. My alphabet starts with a letter called Yes. It's the letter to use Yesimates. I'll be sort of surprised that there may be found once you go beyond the letter Z and start poking around. So on beyond zebra, explore like Columbus, discover new letters like womb for wombus. My whale who lives high on the hill and never comes down until it's time to refill. So on beyond Z is high time you were shown that you really don't know all there is to be known. Father God, we have moments of time, but you're the creator of our time. Your time is eternity. But Father, I would ask in the service today that you would begin to speak to our hearts. That we would, in a real sense, become very hungry for you. Longing for your touch because at the end of the service, I would like to open up the altars and anyone with the need to come and to know and to meet God. Father God, we have needs in our lives and sometimes we don't come because maybe we're ashamed or we're afraid. But this is your house. This is your place. This is your altar. Yes, man built it, but God, it was built for a reason, sanctified, set aside for the, for the very purpose that we're here today to share your word and yes, to experience you. Not only in song, but in word, not only in word, but in deed, because you're the God that lives. You're the God who is there and you're never silent. You speak and you let us know what is going on. And so in your presence, we come and we welcome you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I do love Dr. Zeus, the cat in the hat. I mean, it doesn't get better than this. But it seems that the older I get, not only is my strength waning, but my, my imagination takes a beating. There's an old Nigerian proverb, I guess, that goes like this. With a little seed of imagination, you can plant a field of hope. I do want to plant hope into your heart and into your life this morning. Personally speaking, I like what was. I love the past. I like predictability. All my suits are hung up by color. My shirts, almost by color. I am colorblind, red and greens. Why is it that doctors, these ophthalmologists, is that what you call them, the guys that check your eyes and then they give you this color chart and you're supposed to tell them? And then they do this. They hide these numbers or letters in these different color things. You see dots? And the doctor said, what do you see? I say, I see dots. Do you see anything else? I said, no, sir. Am I supposed to see anything? He says, yes, there are numbers hidden in there. So they won't allow me to become a, nu a nuclear physicist because you're supposed to keep this color straight. But it's okay. You know why? Because God made me colorblind. Think about that. We are who we are because God made us. I, I always like to think that what is perfection? Perfection is to accept what God has done in my life and who he is to me. That is perfection. So I can tell you this morning that the things of God are way beyond our wildest imagination. 
if you're a member of my generation, I'm mm, something, then you remember the old rotary phone. You know that phone that had these these things? But here's the thing that I absolutely miss about that rotary phone. It's that long line between the phone plugged in and the receiver because you could take that phone and you can go from room to room and once you come back then you go down in the basement and you would never lose the phone because there was a string attached. If you, if you can't find the receiver because your daughter took it into, into her bedroom, into the closet, have a private conversation with a friend, you could just go to the phone pick up the string, that cord, and follow it. You would always find it. Today with, my, with the cell phone, I cannot find it. I have to ask my wife if my phone is on. So, Ginny, would you just dial my numbers? 856-982-2627. Oh, it's ringing. Good. Now i got to find it. Okay, there we go. But you see, God exists in a time before our time. Eternity is outside of our time. When we die here, we enter his time. We enter eternity. And our time is merely a bubble. I've been so, I'm passing, I have these conversations. I've become so fascinated with eternity in our time. Because our time literally exists inside eternity. Because God created time for us because he's eternal. He's omnipresent. He exists in all time, all places, all, all the time. So eternity has no beginning, it has no end, but here's the major part about eternity. It has no midpoint. You can never know where eternity began or where it will end because it has no midpoint. To me, that's phenomenal. Because once we are in his presence, we're in his presence forever, and the presence starts now. Once you get Jesus into your heart, who you say I am. Isn't that what the first song said? I put these songs together because they so spoke to my heart. Because it doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what your friend thinks about you. I want you to know this morning that God created you with his purpose in mind. And what he says about you is the only thing that matters. You can set your clock by it. You see, eternity doesn't begin when we get there. Eternity is. And Dr. Seuss tells all of us, that there are words to discover that we would never know if we simply stopped at the letter Z. I mean, I stop at the word salvation, but I'm encouraged by God's word to think about the resurrection. Think about it. Resurrection, once dead and then raised in newness of life. Sanctification. God put his hand into your life and my life, and he set us apart. There's a reason that God set us apart, and we have the opportunity to discover the purpose of God. What he has begun, he will finish. And then there's justification as if we'd never sinned, and yet we do. And then we simply say, God, forgive me. Here's a Latin, tabula rasa. Oh, I love that phrase. Clean slate. God takes the sponge of the blood of Christ and washes over our sins as if they never existed. I like the word justification. My favorite is predestination. I love sitting down with my Presbyterian friends and talk about predestination. But what about the omniscience, the omnipresence, the omnipotence, all-powerful God? These are wonderful words, and I wouldn't know them if I stopped simply at the word salvation. It is not enough. 
for you and I to be familiar with what we know. Because the Bible says this, my people perish for lack of knowledge. In the places I go, there are things that I see that I would never could spell if I stopped with a Z. I'm telling you this because you are my friend. My alphabet starts where your alphabet ends. Friends, God's alphabet starts where ours ends. And I know we have questions about healing. I know we have questions about death. All I can tell you in this world, we have tribulations. We're affected by things that affects everyone. But we have a hope that no one else has. Think about the hope that God has placed inside of you in the midst of our greatest pain. We can go to him and we can ask for fellowship with him. And we can invite the Holy Spirit to join us in our pain, in our misery, in our agony. And God comes to our side and to our rescue. In grade school, oh, it's a terrible time. The principal of my grade school was a good friend of my dad's. Okay, just... There's the record. I, have, I carry my father's name, Ulrich. You know how many Ulrichs there are? Very few in the United States, that's why we came. I changed my name to Rick for a very simple reason, to hide. Didn't want to run into any more of my dad's friends. But they would do these notes every nine weeks. They would write a letter and it said, you know, Mrs. Holm or Mr. Holm, we, we, except they wrote it in German. And it was, a, it was a blue note, because those were the marks that mom and dad left on my back when I got there, because my penmanship. I could never stay in the line. Why do they put lines in there for us to draw letters when we are experimenting? I mean, you can't just write an A in that short little half an inch, inch line. It needs to be an inch and a half, because we're learning. But no, you have to fit into that space. The world is trying to force us into some kind of mold to be like them. God is beyond the mold. Don't allow to be forced into the mold of the world. And when I colored, I love colors. But then they have these color by numbers. I I hate it because you got to stay within those lines. What's the fun in that? I like it when colors bleed together. You know, when yellow and and blue kind of fade together, you get green. I mean, how do you know what green is until you allow the colors to fade and to get across the line and to do all those things? And I think that children have the right idea because children are never afraid to ask why. Hang around kids. They are filled with why. Why this? Why that? Okay, God can handle our whys. But can we handle his answers? Just, just for the fun of it, either write it down or take a look in your, in your smartphone, bring it up to Job chapter 38, the first couple of verses. Job 38, or if you have the old Bible like I have, page 700, I don't know. It's Job chapter 38, the first few lines. And I'm reading this from the message translation. But I love, again, the humor of God. Think about the humor of God. Last week, we celebrated the 100th anniversary of a church that was started by Italians. Today is the first Sunday after the 100th anniversary, beginning the second 100 years, a sermon preached by a German. I just think it's funny. That's that's all. That's all I want to say. 
humor of God. But here's what it says in the message translation. And now finally, God answered Job. I mean, you had 37 chapters of the silence of God towards Job. And now in chapter 38, reading at verse number 1, God begins to speak to Job, and it says that his voice came out of a violent storm. That to me is frightening. If you've never been in a, in a tornado, that is a horrible burst of wind. I've been in a tornado twice, and I don't ever want to hear the sound of a train next to me again. He said, why do you confuse the issue? Why do you talk without knowing what you're talking about? This is God talking to Job. Job has been suffering, so here's God plowing into him. Pull yourself together, man. Up on your feet, stand tall. I have some questions for you, and I want some straight answers. Forgive me, but I'm smirking because. Where were you when I created the earth? Tell me since you know so much. Who decided on its size? Certainly you know that. Who came up with the blueprints and the measurements? How was the foundation poured? And who set the cornerstone? This is God talking to Job. And I, I, I love this part because God is not silent. God is always present. He is always there. There's a great book by Francis Schaeffer, The God Who Was There and He's Not Silent. Awesome, awesome, awesome read. You see, we tend to limit God based upon our imagination. And my imagination is limited by my understanding. My understanding is limited by my experience. God is bigger than any of that. He is bigger, greater, and better. This morning, I'd like for us to look at some, I think, the most important words in the Bible. Genesis 1.1. To me, these are... Inviting words. These were the best of times. These were the worst of times. If you know the author. Marley is dead. We know certainly that he is. A Christmas carol. But are we really familiar with Genesis 1-1? We might know the words, but have we spent any time pondering the impact of these words? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, which tells me simply as before, that moment in time, on the calendar of God, there was nothing. And God, in his imagination, put into word what he thought, and it became. Let there be the next set of the most exciting words ever to be found in the Bible. You see, did the universe just happen? Did we just evolve? Was a chance and time and some fancy little mutations that took place and put us together over billions of years? Or was there someone named God who's, who simply came and formed us and shaped us and blew into us the breath of life and gave us his imagination. And in the image of God, he formed us. Are we accidents? No, we are not. We are predestined by him to serve him, to honor him, and to worship him. And worship is not boring. Do you know how exciting it is when your heart is empty and you feel lonely, and all of a sudden the breath of God and the burst of the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, and, and all that you have feared is vanished in a moment in time, in the twinkling of an eye. God has set you free and put his courage inside of you. There is nothing more exciting than that. 
If you believe that we evolved over billions of years, nothing more than time plus chance and mutations I talked about that separate us from the aardvark, then I don't need God. The universe is in good hands. But if I believe that every man, woman, and child is the creation of God and in his image, I will look at the world differently. And I will think of myself differently. I want to share just one scientific fact with you. It, just, just one, there are so many, in favor of creation. Since February of 2020, out of necessity because of Ginny's illness, I'm going to use a word that I don't mean, but I want to explain to you what she goes through every single day, every hour of her life. It is hell in the cells. You may see her smile. She's sitting there. I want you to understand there's pain wrecked throughout her body, from the sole of her feet to the crown of her head, from the left finger to the right hand. So out of that necessity, I become very, I'm not, I, I don't like medical things. But out of necessity in my wife's pain, I, I began to listen to her story and all the things that she goes through. We have been to 19 different doctors. And you can say, Rick, where's your faith? I tell you where my faith is. It's in the God who created her. It's in a God who is present in the midst of this pain. It is, it is almost impossible to put proteins together because you need amino acids. Amino acids are these wonderful little things, but that you have to line them up. Uh, how do you spell chitty chitty bang bang? Expialidocious. You see, unless you put these letters together in the right form, you will never be able to spell expialidocious. And unless amino acids are put together in the right form, for instance, collagen, something that we need in our life, takes 1,055 different amino acids put in the right sequence together in order to come up with collagen. Since we're so close to, I um, almost said Las Vegas, but the other city, Atlantic City. You would need a machine with 1,055 wheels, spinning wheels, with 50 little options, uh, 20 little options they have on that. And you would have to pull that lever, and it would have to come up exactly 1,055 different little amino acids lined up, and you would have to pull that lever for those numbers to line up, or the pictures to line up. I mean, 1,055 apples before you get ding, 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 ding. You know, that's that sound. Well, it doesn't happen. It's impossible. So every little protein that we have is a miracle by God. The average protein has maybe 100, 200, 300,000 different amino acids together. But that in itself, in order again to do that, is a one followed by 260 zeros. My right arm is getting stronger as I preach. Here's what Dr. Georgia Putnam said, PhD in molecular physics. Faith and evolution are at odds. Faith and science agree. Just a thought. Let me just share with you where I stand and where I come from. I believe that every word in the Bible is true. It is God spoken. As I read the chapters, I find them exalted and simple. There's no other writing in human literature to possess this kind of grandeur. Think about it. You're sitting in your favorite chair or your couch, inside the house, outside the house. And you open up the Bible and you turn to Genesis 
and you run across these words, in the beginning, God. Let your mind wander. Think about this God, and now you know that he sent his son into your heart and into your life. And so this creator who is now actively involved in your life, what will he create in you and through you? If you think that we are here by chance, uh uh-uh. We are here by the divine plan of God. In the beginning, God. You see, that says everything to me because he is there and he is present. And all things mentioned in scripture are true. I object to the reasoning that people use that these chapters are myth, legend, or poetry. They go beyond that. But you see, that's the battleground. Since Darwin up to today, the doubters have lined up their verbal cannons. Their cacophony is so loud that they try to intimidate those who have a different point of view. But let me share with you, we do not need to argue with the world. We do not need to raise our voices. I recommend bended knees and raised hands. And let God begin to speak through you or through others. However, the opening chapters of Genesis present me with this question. I smirk because I I wondered recently if, does Adam have a belly button? I mean, he's created. Does he have a belly button? I'll leave it there. Because I don't know, but that's, the, that's one of the things. I'm going to go up to Adam. I'm going to look at his navel or not. The question will be answered. There's a wonderful book, and I highly recommend it, by Anne Graham Lotz, entitled God's Story. The reason I want to recommend this book to you, she talks about Genesis and creation. And she says that the book of Genesis is nothing more than an eyewitness report of what God has done. And if you've ever been in a court of law, and therefore while I went every Thursday, I think, I forget. For three years, I went to our judicial building here, our little complex that we have here. And I would go in there, and I would wait from 1 o'clock till 4 o'clock for my case to be heard. And I won't mention a gentleman's name that made me go there, but he made me aware of so many things. All painful, but aware nonetheless. But the reason I say eyewitness report, because an eyewitness makes all the difference in the case of law. And Genesis 1 is not an argument. Genesis 1 is simply a declaration of what God has done and who he is. You see, all, throughout our life, we have to answer basically three questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? But you can never answer the last question, where am I going, until you answer the second question, why am I here? And you will never answer the second question until you do the first. Where did I come from? Genesis lets me know exactly where I come from. And as a pastor, I ask myself frequently, what do I preach on? And you might wonder, that, what, what are you preaching on, Rick? I ask myself again, what is important? What will people remember? I hope you remember this, that God is. If, you, if you're familiar with the gentleman E.B. Hill, he's a phenomenal uh, African-American preacher. I love, I love his sermons. I love his cadence. But a number of years ago when Promise Keeper was really rampant or famous, popular, whatever, 
He preached a message in Chicago for 40 solid minutes. He spoke on, and get this, two words, God is. In his style, he yelled, he whispered, he shouted, he illustrated, he declared, proclaimed, and he dared anyone to deny it. Let me give, quickly give you three observations about Genesis 1. Number one, the universe has a definite beginning. The text says, in the beginning. I, I took Hebrew in Bible college. I loved Hebrew. I got an A in it. Then I took Greek. I got a D minus. I love the Hebrew. Did I tell you that? The Hebrew is a good language. I like it because it's easy to pronounce. It has a guttural sound in Germans. Here's a word. Practice it. Krankenhauswagen. Okay, Krankenhauswagen. Some call it Krankenwagen. It means ambulance. I don't know what the, 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 uh, the Italian is, but it, the, the Italian is, is so smooth. It probably said ambulanza, eh? something like that. It's, it's flowing, it's smooth. Krankenwagen, I mean, it gets stuck in your throat. But when the Hebrews were looking to, to name the books of the Bible, especially the first five, they, they simply said, in beginning. There is no direct article because they cut through the chase. It doesn't matter. In beginning is whether in the beginning or in beginning. Before anything was in beginning, there it was. So it helps me to understand that all matter is not eternal. The universe is not eternal. The time that we have here did not exist until God said, let there be. And there was morning, there was night. See, there it is, morning, night, 24 hours right there. Evie Hill simply said, God is. Only God is eternal. Can I give you a word? It could be an eulogism. It's a made-up word. Isness, I-S-N-E-S-S, the isness of God. So who is God to you this morning? Is he liar, lunatic, or Lord? You see, it makes a difference how you identify God. If he's Lord... If he's a lunatic or liar, if he's a liar, none of this is true. Then it really doesn't matter what you think. But as for me and my house, we will still believe that God is. You see, he is the creator of all things. The Apostles' Creed simply says this, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. So ponder Genesis 1.1. He created the sun, the stars, the moon, the planets. He created the comets, the asteroids. I love science fiction. I have seen every flick of, of Star Trek, every little 30-minute, one-hour show. I've seen them all again and again and again and again. I like Star Wars. I'm trying to figure out the lightsaber thing. I still haven't figured out how they can have a thing two meters long, and that's it. And it stops when it's some kind of proton or phaser thing. Scientists tell us that there might be 400 billion stars in the Milky Way. Milky Way, Great candy bar, by the way. They also estimate that there are at least 100 billion galaxies, each one with 100 billion stars. But here's the thing. Take a look at Psalm 147.4. Psalm 147.4, it has these words. He determined the number of the stars and called them each by name. He hung them in space. I mean, when you think about it, some of these planets take 300 billion years to get there, like years. 
Psalm 19.1 says, As the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. God's fingerprint is all over this planet. You see, the message from God is simply this, I am, I act, and I create. Look at Hebrews 11.3. Here's what Hebrews says about creation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, and what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God created things out of nothing. And then when God wanted a turtle, he said this, turtle be. That's it. Only God creates. We merely take the existing things and we shape them into something. But God creates. We make. God is unstumpable. If God created us, then we are his. We belong to him. My body, my choice. No, it's his body, his choice. If God created you, your gender, then, then you are not a random decision. If God created you, then you are not insignificant. I am who you say I am. No matter how much people or circumstance might make you feel otherwise. In Psalm 139, David writes this, I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I have learned about the wonderfully made. Every cell in Ginny's body has been turned upside down. Agony one day after the other. For one moment she smiles, the next moment she's in bitter tears. I'm not trying to create sympathy, but what I want you to understand is in this world we have tribulation. But in this world we have the presence of God. And that, my friend, is important. I could not, we, she could not face what she faces if it wasn't for the presence of God. You cannot deal with grief unless you have the presence of God. I ran into one of my neighbors. You know, I write for the, for the newspaper a column on grief. We do a podcast on grief and a couple other things. We have the care notes. And there's a little booklet, Understanding a Child's Grief. We don't always tune in to what children go through when they lose a mom or a dad. When a child loses, when a girl loses her father in the eighth grade and a sister that's in sixth grade, it is hard. I'm glad that we, don't, we are not obligated to have words. We're obligated to be there. I, I told Ginny, I said, I need to go for a walk. I need to get my five miles in today. So I left the house, put on some new tennis shoes, and took off on a walk. And as I walked, I heard this voice, Pastor Rick! I went by, and what I thought would be if few moments turned into an hour and a half. The young lady lost her husband about nine months ago, began to open up, and it just spilled out. We're sitting here with smiles on our faces, but we may not feel like smiling because we don't want to be asked, how are you? Because most of us don't have the time to find out how people truly are. And most people that grieve have a hard time sharing because the pain is so humongous. So I asked the question, how are you? Wasn't quite ready for the barrage of emotions. But what I'm sharing with you is this. 
If we simply evolved, then it doesn't matter. But if we were created in the image of God, then it makes all the difference in the world. You see, if God didn't create us, if every one of us merely is here by chance and evolutionary design, then there is no meaning or purpose to us. Then there is no, re- no, no respect for life necessary. There is no kind of morality needed. There is no reason to refrain from killing or injuring anyone because we are random acts in the universe. The atheist Bertrand Russell wrote this, unless you assume a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. You see, evolution can become just an excuse to do what we want to do. True wisdom begins with God. Genesis 1.1, you see, tells us that I am created by God. I didn't come from the mud. Our culture today is in trouble. What I'm sharing with you today flies contrary to what culture thinks. But Satan understands this better than you and I. All truth begins with God. Do you remember? If you're from my generation, then you might remember. Christmas Eve, 1968. Three astronauts, Apollo 8. It says that they, went to, they, they, they approached Earth through the backside. I love that scientific thing. Backside of the moon. If you've seen the movie Transformers, they always talk about the backside of the moon. There's a spaceship that, anyways. And then all of a sudden, as it came closer to, to Earth, in one of the windows in the capsule of Apollo 8, they saw this bluish, whitish sphere begin to appear. So what did they quote as billions of people tuned in and had the chance to hear what would be said? Did they quote Einstein, Shakespeare, Darwin? Uh Uh-uh. Genesis 1, verse 1, was read, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and billions of people heard it worldwide. In the beginning God. You see, nothing makes sense without God. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Why did God create us? Because He wanted us. We are here because God had a plan for us. In the beginning there was eternal love, then there was the fall, and then there came a willing Savior. Can I tell you that the distance between Genesis 1.1 and John 3.16 is really short? Because you have value. God values you so much that he sent his son. When you and I couldn't do the right thing, he did. He came the bridge for you and I. If God created me, then he knows me. Then he sees me. Then he knows the truth about me. I can't hide anything from God. The dark doesn't matter. The basement doesn't matter. God sees all things. And one day I must stand before him and give an account. If we believe that God created us, then my head should bow. My knees should bend. My will should yield, my hands should serve, my mind should worship, my heart should love. Oh, yes, sir, God created us. God loves us. He made it possible to spend eternity, time without end, in his presence. He alone is Lord. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see, this is where my faith begins. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. 
For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.